Hello, and welcome to the Department 12 podcast, where we talk about everything industrial and organizational psychology. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. Joining me today is Robert Romano. How are you today, Robert? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Robert, you're a junior at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and you're a psych major, and you're planning to pursue a PhD in IO Psych after graduation. And you and I, dear listeners, are going to help Robert with this uh, by answering some questions for him a little later in the show. But for now, I want to talk about Marist. Some of my listeners are asking themselves, why do I recognize that name? Why does Marist sound so familiar to me? So clue us in here. Why, why do you think we've heard of Marist? Our biggest name recognition is from our poll. So I work at the Marist Institute for Public Opinion, which is shortened as the Marist Poll. And what we do is we conduct large-scale public opinion surveys using a method called random digit dialing. We randomly call all members of the United States, so it's very long, but it's pretty scientific because it is a probability way of showing everyone in the population is being called. Mm-hmm. But so we do these big public opinion surveys, and we usually poll on politics during election season. If you look on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, you might see our name. That's something I'm very familiar with. You mentioned every number in the United States. Does that include mobile numbers as well? I think the statistic is about 97% of Americans have access to either a mobile phone number or a home phone. So yeah, that includes almost every single American. Can you tell us about the work that you're doing with your professor right now? What we're doing is we're conducting a needs analysis uh, with the Hudson Valley LGBTQ plus center. And what they do is they're a resource for the LGBTQ community in the Hudson Valley of New York. So just north of New York City. And what they need us to do is a needs analysis because they're having some issues with community relations and retention of staff. So what we did is we conducted a survey of about 207 people who identify as LGBTQ in the Hudson Valley. It definitely took a while to collect data, but we're finally at the analyzing stage. And it's definitely uh, a lot more effort into it than I realized. Obviously, there's a lot of cleaning of the data and coding variables and all of that fun stuff. What what have you found so far that you think may be of interest to, to IO psychologists? One thing is we asked is asking about people's experiences with their professional life. So we asked a Likert scale from one to five, so never, rarely, sometimes, often, always, about asking, I experienced discrimination at my workplace or school due to my sexual orientation. So uh, Dr. Bettina, I want to see what, what do you think the mean score? I am going to say four. Four. You might be a bit of a pessimist because thankfully <laughs> it, the overall mean was 2.03, which I was very surprised to find too, which is a very good thing to see that obviously society has come a long way. I'm sure 10 years ago, it might be a little bit closer to that four that you were thinking. Uh, Let's back up to your internship with the Marist Poll. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what you did there? That was a great opportunity. So obviously I know it's not exactly related to IO Psych, but I took it because I got to work as a data and project management intern, which was a really good experience. And what I did is I worked with a lot of data. So while it wasn't data on, you know, exactly job satisfaction or things like that, it was large data sets. Nonetheless, one project we worked on was for a community health organization that had different uh, centers all over the state of New York. So from Long Island, New York City, upstate New York, and they want to see like what were the needs of these centers. And, you know, they asked things like my people, my organization or the people we serve have trouble 
getting to our center or we don't have enough money. And these are the type of people. So are they homeless? Are they predominantly people of color? Are they men or women? Things like that. And what I got to do is I got these data sets of about 500 respondents and I had to code all these open-ended questions a lot or just look at the data and see where I saw these big discrepancies and just write down notes for my boss of what I think he should look at. So that was a really awesome experience. It sounds like. So the that was the appetizer. Now on to the main course, which is that you're a junior psych major and you're thinking about, hey, I, I want to go and pursue a PhD in IO psych after I graduate. I personally am not a great person to give anybody advice on this because I'm not really part of the academic world. I do teach a little, but I'm not part of, you know, admissions committees or, or anything like that. But I know that I have audience members who are. So what I'd like to do is just talk to you about some of the questions that you have. Uh, I won't be able to answer them, although I will probably share my uninformed opinions anyway. Then I will share those uh, with the audience on Twitter and I'll include a hashtag, which uh, you can find in the show notes if you're listening. And you can give some advice to, to Robert as well. And I'm sure that the advice is going to apply to people other than than you. Let's start with this. Do you know what you want? Do you know what you're looking for yet? Or do you think looking at options will help you figure that out? Yes, that was a big question because, you know, I know I love psychology and I love research because I like how you can pretty much answer almost any question we have about the world and investigate it scientifically. But I don't know exactly what I want to study. And I love IO psychology because it's applied and it can solve real world, real world issues. But I look at all these faculty pages of PhD programs and these professors have a wide range of things they study and I can go, oh, this seems interesting. I like this, but do I want to dedicate five years of my <laughs> life to studying yeah. this? That's a long time. So what I want to ask listeners is how do you know exactly what your specific research interest is? And like, what's your passion? Wow. And that's such a great question. I'm a little like you in that I'm a very curious type. And when I look at something and it's right in front of me, I think, wow, that's really interesting without necessarily realizing that, hey, I'm not going to be as interested in this in a couple of years. So I think you're asking the right question. And I would love to hear from the audience. How do you narrow down or specify a research interest? Now, the good news is that you don't necessarily have to have that nailed down right now because you've got coursework and comprehensive exams. And then by the time you get to writing a dissertation, the topic will probably be different than anything you're thinking about right now. Uh, even if it's in the same sort of broad area that you're interested in, just through the process of figuring out where you can make the best contribution to, to theory and practice, you'll end up probably somewhere a little different than where you started. Uh, I, I think you are right to start by figuring out what you want, because it's a little like going into a car dealership. If you know what you want going in, you have the best possible chance of getting it. If you don't know, then the car salesperson will tell you what you want. You know, they'll, they'll ask you questions to guide you toward what they're trying to sell that day. And you will be convinced that it, it was your idea to do so. I, I don't think that university admissions are exactly like that, but I think a similar process can happen because I've heard from other people that it does. It, it may be even worth asking before you even get to what do I want to study is what do you have that's a non-negotiable? So for some people, there's a region of the country they have to stay in, or there's a certain budgetary thing, like I've got to have a paid assistantship or, or something like that. And that can help you knock out a whole bunch of unproductive lines of, of research because 
no matter how good this university is, it doesn't meet this, this requirement. So I'm not going to put a lot of time into that or get my hopes up about it. That's a good question. I mean, I'm definitely thinking about like, what are my non-negotiables to, especially, you know, obviously I pick my college. I want to be somewhat close to home, but I know most people, their academic journeys, they generally travel a lot. So it's one thing I guess I will have to give up. One thing is that I'm actually part of the LGBT community myself. So I would want to live in or near a big city because, you know, I for rural areas are not generally, I don't want to generalize, but they're not as, I guess, accepting as urban areas. So one of your non-negotiables is you want to be someplace close to home. You want to be near a place where you can get the kind of support you need. What else comes to your mind when you think about that's a question too. I had a lot of silly ones when I first started looking into school. So one thing is I wanted to do one that had a good undergraduate reputation just so I looked good. But I, one thing I found is that a lot of times these programs is that the PhD program for IO psychology is a lot more prestigious than the actual undergraduate reputation in the university. I don't think it's a silly question. Uh, I think you thought through and you realized that, hey, this is the reality is a little different than I thought to begin with. People who know IO psychology know roughly what the top programs are. And they aren't necessarily big names that are known for, for other things. But it brings me to another question. What is it you want to do with this degree? That's another thing I've been thinking about a lot because I've listened to your podcast. I know you've talked about before about the academic versus applied. And I'm thinking, do I want to be a professor? Do I want to be in a corporate environment? And I guess one thing I really like about IO Psych is that you can kind of do both. and have that flexibility where, whereas at first I wanted to do social psychology, but I realized you can't really do much besides academia. And that's why for IO, I really love how you can kind of do both. But if I, if I pictured myself 10 years from now, I would, you know, I'd be doing something similar to what you do is we don't have a podcast, but, you know, <laughs> work as a consultant, but then also be an adjunct at a university. A strategy that you could look into is go to the websites of colleges where you could see yourself teaching someday, maybe near a major city where you might want to live and do some consulting and say, okay, where did the faculty members there get their degrees from? You might be surprised. It's it's a very different answer than if you had said, I definitely want to be a tenure track professor at a major university. You know, that suggests there's a handful of programs you want to look at. Those are the names that are probably going to get you to the top of that pile. And here's a whole bunch that you should totally disregard because they're going to get you thrown out. One big question I have is what can I do to prepare myself? Because when you're applying to colleges as a high schooler, you may not get in the top college you want, but you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get into a college, whether it's a safety school or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but for PhD programs, obviously a lot more serious and rigorous. And I want to make sure that no matter what I do get into a program. So I was wondering, especially with research experience, because I know it's very important, how many research publications or presentations are you expected to have? And does this change with coronavirus? So I'm definitely turning this one over to the audience. I feel I can give you my impression, uh, and that is, as somebody who's talked to a lot of people, you come across very well articulate, polished. If we hadn't talked before the episode, I wouldn't have guessed that I was speaking to a junior in an undergraduate program. I would have guessed this is a graduate student or somebody further along in their career. So I think that part of it's going to go well for you. The interview part seems like you'd be well equipped for that. I think the fact that you have that experience in your internship at, at Marist and some of the work that you're doing now, it's already, to me at least, 
it already seems pretty good. There's a lot of psych majors out there that probably aren't doing a fraction of what you're doing now, but I'm going to turn this one over to the audience because they're going to be far more familiar with what the competition is like to get into these programs than I would. So I think there's kind of two parts to it as well. One is what do you do? And then the second is how do you present it? How do you document it? Is it a a portfolio? Is it just getting a really polished CV? What does that actually look like to be able to demonstrate what you've done? Is it better to have internships in, in industrial and organizational fields, or would it be better just to have ordinary psychology research with a professor? Yeah, good question. Another one I'll turn over to the audience. I think, you know, if you can swing something more specific, it might be um, more impressive. But at the same time, there are some basics about research that are going to be the same uh, across psychology subdisciplines. Another question I have is, does your minor matter or just your classes? Because the people I have spoken to in IO say, definitely take a lot of statistics classes. But mm-hmm. fortunately, my college doesn't offer a statistics minor, but uh-huh. there are classes in that. So I, I am taking some stats classes, but I don't quite know what my minor should be. And I've heard, oh, just get a high GPA or maybe it should just be business. So I just wanted to hear what you, you and the audience thought about what would be yeah i think the classes and stats help obviously you're in a position where you can't minor in it and i think that's fine it's a highly quantitative field not always to our benefit i don't think i think we could do with a little more emphasis on qualitative and mixed methods but for the most part the the field is heavily quantitative so the more of those you take probably the better as far as anything else related to a minor i will leave to the audience to do that i would suspect that business or or something related to the world of work would be better than than underwater basket weaving. But <laughs> I also feel like this is for many people, this is the last chance that you have to to dedicate a substantial portion of your life and your time and your effort to something that is not necessarily career oriented. And so if you love literature or you love chemistry, whatever it is that you love that you think, well, I really like this, but I'm probably not going to make a career out of it. I oh, I would hate to just say, oh, you know, take three more stats classes because it might improve your admissions by, you know, nth degree. But again, we'll see what the audience has to say. So another question I have is for letters of recommendation. Do they have to be from academics or can they be from an internship? So I told you my internship with Maris Pohl and I really liked it and it worked a lot of data and my boss, he taught me a lot about data stuff. So SPSS, Excel, things like that, but he is, he doesn't have a PhD in psychology. So I was wondering if I should ask him for a letter of recommendation because he knows me and my work ethic well, or should I just stick with professors I have taken classes with? I have only a hypothesis and it is this, it is that due to the volume of applications that an admissions committee or person reviews that they are so geared towards academic style letters of recommendation that anything else uh, would probably come off weird, not through any fault of the supervisor who's writing it for you, but just because they don't understand that world inside and out the way that other academics do. So my hypothesis is that the audience is going to say, get your professors to write letters of recommendation. Mm -hmm. But I will be happy to be corrected by that. If I were on an admissions committee, I personally would be more impressed with a letter of recommendation from an internship supervisor than I would from from a professor. But let's find out what the audience has to say. Last question. So I 
planned on studying abroad next semester. Obviously, I don't know if that's going to happen because of Omicron. But in general, I do want to do that sometime in my undergraduate career. But one struggle I had is, is that a bad idea? Because that'd be one semester where I'm probably not going to be you know, doing research. I'm not going to be taking serious statistics classes and things mm -hmm. like that. So would you say that it would be worth it? Because I don't know when else I'd have that experience to be in a different country for about four months, but I obviously don't want that to hurt my career. I think we all have kind of values-based answers to that question. My own values-based answer would be, yeah, go for it because very soon the option to do that will be gone. And you have this opportunity now, just like I mentioned about literature or anything else that you're interested in, that you have this opportunity now that you probably won't get back. But on the other hand, I'm not the person who's trying to increase my chances of getting into that PhD <laughs> program. So different perspectives may help. So I'm happy to share this uh, with the audience. I'd ask you if you're listening and it's anytime near the holiday season of 2021, do check out Twitter, check out the hashtag that's mentioned in the show notes and share your opinion with Robert and with other students who are interested in getting into PhD programs in IO psychology and help them out. We will very much appreciate your perspective. Robert, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.